Well, good evening and welcome to Steadfast. I am so glad to be with you as we begin our brand new series, Anticipation. We're picking up where we looked a few months ago. We were looking at 2 Peter chapter 2. Now we're going to chapter 3. Over the last few years, we've been exploring the whole of 2 Peter. It's such a wonderful and rich epistle that a lot of times we just look over. And we also look over the things that this is warning us about this particular chapter. It warns us not to lose our sense of anticipation of Jesus' return, not to lose our sense of anticipation that the righteous judge will judge the world. We're being challenged to be ready to, quite literally, to anticipate, to, to be excited, to be looking to what we're doing, how we're living our lives, what we're thinking about for the future, all with the mindset that Jesus is returning. So let's go ahead and come before our God in prayer, ask that he would guide us, and then we're going to think what it looks like to be those who anticipate. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son that you've sent into this world and that we have the promise that he will return again. Lord, would you help us to be a people of anticipation, a people ready, a people who sense urgency and want others to be ready, a people who live in that anticipation with excitement and joy and peace because we know that we are yours. Would you communicate these things to us? Would you help us as we study your word by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What does it mean to live in anticipation? Well, I think an awful lot of it means keeping in mind where we're going. What is our goal? What do we want? We just wrapped up yesterday the St. Louis Cardinals baseball season. And unfortunately, I don't like admitting this, but the St. Louis Cardinals baseball season was shorter than the baseball season as a whole because the postseason's going on, playoffs are happening, and the Cardinals aren't there because they had the first losing season in decades. They had one of their worst seasons ever. And as I was thinking about that over the weekend, and there was celebration because the future Cardinals Hall of Fame player, Shirley Wayno, uh, Adam Wainwright, was being celebrated in his last year of his career. But as those celebrations were going on, it felt so odd to not be anticipating the postseason, not to be anticipating the possibility of winning a World Series, to just know the season was going to come to an end and it'd be over after 100, 162 games. And as I thought about that, I thought about earlier in the season, say late April, when some of us started to feel kind of panicky because things weren't going so great. And in May, when things were really not going so great. June, when things were still not going so great. And over and over again, people said, well, don't worry. The Cardinals are still going to win 10 games over everybody else in their division. Don't worry. This is just a rough start. Don't worry. It was a little bit of a challenge because people went and played the different players on the team, went to play in the World Baseball Classic, and they're just trying to get back into their normal team groove. Just Give it some more time. Everything will be fine. Don't panic. There's nothing going on. It'll all be okay. Well, it wasn't okay. Now, thankfully, it's just baseball. And if you're a diehard baseball fan, you say, well, just baseball. But what do we know about baseball? It's a game. And it's a game that goes for most of the year, and then it ends, and then we reset and we start over for the new year. But when we're talking about what Peter is speaking of in Second Peter chapter 3, as we turn there, 
when we turn there, we find he's talking about something much more important than a game. And the question is, are we playing the same sort of game with our life that those who were saying it was all going to be okay with the Cardinals were playing with that team? Are we saying, it's okay that we're crashing and burning. It's okay that we're not really achieving the things God's called us to because there's always more time. It will always get better in the future. There's nothing to worry about. And as human beings, if we're not faced with the prospect that we might miss something, we become lackadaisical. We just start to think, well, tomorrow will be better. Tomorrow I'll be more on top of things. Tomorrow I'll read God's word. Tomorrow I will show love to my neighbors. What did Jesus warn us about? What did the prophets warn us about even before that? That the day of the Lord is coming, that God is going to bring everything to a conclusion. And the question is, are we ready for that? Are we anticipating that? Are we just saying, oh, it's only May. There's plenty of time to get the team reset. There's no reason to really panic right now. There's no really any reason to make a big change right now. Is that where we are? Let's go ahead and take a look at what Peter writes in the beginning of this chapter. He says, this is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. Knowing this first of all. What do we need to know? This is really important that we get a hold of this. Knowing this first of all. That the scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. Your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning. What do we see there as we look at that? Well, we see that This isn't a surprise that there are people that scoff, and and how are they scoffing? This is going to speak right to our human condition at several levels. They're scoffing at the teaching of the apostles. In other words, the teaching of God's prophets and his apostles that we find in God's word. They scoff at it, and they scoff at it because they want to do what they want to do. Saying there's no reason to redo this team. There's no reason to, to rethink how we do things. There's plenty of time. There's nothing to worry about. Sometimes we don't even need outside scoffers. Sometimes that's what's going on inside of us. But the the key thing is we have both inside of ourselves voices and outside of us voices that are saying, don't worry about it. Yeah, the apostle said Jesus is going to return. Don't worry about it. Yeah, the prophet said the day of the Lord is coming. Don't worry about it. No big deal. What does Peter say, though? He basically says, well, who is it that you're going to trust? And he says, This is what you've heard from your Lord. This is what you've heard from your apostles. And and in that, commentators have noted, as he phrases these possessives here, that he's saying, the Lord and Savior of us, the, the apostles that belong to us, he's saying, think about those people that you've placed your trust in. Think about the God that you've placed your trust in. Are you going to listen to them? Or are you going to listen to these people that are coming in and saying what you want to hear? But you have no reason to trust. Where are you going to placed your life. As Peter writes this, and some people theorize as it's later in Peter's life, maybe someone like Jude is helping him to write down these things. But as Peter or Peter and his co-author are reflecting on this, what they're saying is, think about uh, 
all the years in which you've heard the teaching of the apostles and, and what they said about our Lord and Savior Jesus. And as you think about that, are you sure you don't want to put your stock in them? Do you really want to lose sight? Now, he's writing to, to believers. He's, he's addressing them as beloved. He's addressing them with the expectation that they're in fellowship in the Lord. So it's not that he's writing to people who have rejected Jesus. But notice he says he's giving a reminder, and that's because all of us become lackadaisical. It's not some of us. It's not only those weak in the faith. What do we do? We find some way to, to sort of accept the status quo, just like these scoffers did, and, and to forget the urgency, the anticipation that we've been called to. I don't think the people being reminded here wanted to be lackadaisical. I don't think the people here wanted to give up. What do we do as human beings? We get busy with life and we forget what's going on. We get busy with life and we forget these warnings because why? Because everything seems like it's going the way it has always gone. And we start to look at, at the prophets. We start to look at the apostles and they've said that things are going to happen soon, that this is urgent, but it doesn't feel very urgent because for however many years we've been alive and all of us have been alive for I'm going to wager we probably don't have anyone who, who's been alive listening tonight for less than a decade. If, if you are, if we have some young audience members, wonderful. But all of us have had years at least, enough years to learn a language and so on, that we've seen are pretty much the same. So why should we be urgent? Now, we have two challenges in our current world, one of which is that we have people who are who are constantly saying, don't worry, it's fine, just do whatever you want. You can worry about trying to get right with God later on. And then we have other people who make false predictions. And those false predictions say, well, if you just look at God's word clearly enough, what are you going to find? You're going to find the exact date that Jesus is returning. It's going to be this. And, and over and over again, they make those sorts of predictions. And what do we find in those predictions? We find they don't happen. Over and over again, these false prophets have predicted that you can know the exact time the world's going to end. And that date comes and goes, and Jesus hasn't returned yet. And sometimes we then maybe look back at Scripture and think, well, but what about where it says he's going to return? Is that going to be untrue as well? And so we find ourselves in this weird place where on the one hand we're being pulled, just don't worry. And on the other hand, we have people saying worry a lot, but seem to be giving us false information. And that weird combination ends up putting us right back into that place where we're just sort of passive. We're not anticipating. Because on the one hand, we kind of don't want to, because that means we can just do whatever we want. And on the other hand, we have people who are all hyped up about it, but constantly getting it wrong. Sort of reminds me of the weather right now. If you notice, I'm not really wearing what seems like appropriate clothing for October. Here we are on October 2nd. It doesn't feel much like fall, does it? It feels like I should be wearing summer clothing. It feels like we should be out in the pool. It feels like we should be just doing our normal summer things, but it's October. And we're not quite sure what to anticipate, are we? Because on the one hand, I find myself thinking, well, but it's going to be cold soon, and it, it sort of should be. I'd like it to feel more like fall. And on the other hand, I feel like, well, I'm not even going to think about it. I'm just going to keep putting on the short sleeve shirts and some shorts and and thinking about watering plants outside and seeing them grow and, and so on and so forth, because it feels like it's just going to keep going like that. It feels like our weather's very consistently 
warm and it doesn't feel like fall's coming. What do we know? Well, on the one hand, it's delayed from where it should be and it feels a little incongruous that, that we're still in this really warm, even hot weather in October. On the other hand, we can look at the forecast and we know that it's going to cool down even this week. But not if I'm just looking outside. And sometimes that's the way it is, I think, when we're looking at these promises of God. It feels like, on the one hand, why hasn't Jesus returned yet? And part of us is feeling kind of off because here we are, we're two millennia after his earthly ministry, and he's not back yet. And we say, well, I'm not quite sure what to do with that. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And then on the other hand, what do we find? On the other hand, it feels like the warm weather is still here. The cold of, of the end of the world hasn't arrived yet. It feels distant. It feels like we can still put on that short sleeve shirt. And so we do. We're not anticipating. We're so off with these two tensions that we just find ourselves just sort of sitting, willing to be lackadaisical, just willing to keep moving forward without really moving forward. And it starts to look like the scoffers are maybe right. Maybe Jesus isn't going to return. Everything seems stable, right? Take a look at verses 4 through 7. Peter says, They will say, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact, that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of the water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. What's Peter want to bring us back to? He brings us back to the flood and he says, God formed the earth by separating out the waters. He formed dry land. He, he gave us this earth. And then what do we see later on? That there was a time where that earth was then covered in water again. And just like that, as we anticipate the final coming of Jesus and, and the judgment of the world and the purification of the world into the new heavens and new earth, just like those people who had knew, knew at some distant point that they hadn't lived through, that there had been a past where the world didn't exist, but felt like the world was very stable and they didn't need to concern themselves with the things of God because the world was stable, maybe get right with him as you're getting older and maybe your health starts to fail, but otherwise don't worry about it. They had a rude awakening. They, they had this flood come. There was nothing foretelling it other than Noah building the ark. There wasn't a bunch of warning signs. There hadn't been meteorologists saying, we're going to have a global flood coming. It just came. And likewise, when the scoffers here say, well, Jesus isn't returning. There isn't any sign of fire coming down from heaven. There isn't any sign of judgment. Peter wants us to think about the fact that just as the flood came, so too will Jesus' return. And that can be a joyful event for us as Christians, or it can be a horrible event. We've chosen not to focus on him. Where are we? Well, if we are Christians, if you do believe in Jesus, where we are is we're safe in his grace, and yet we need that reminder that this is urgent, that not only do we need to trust in him, but there are other people out there, and we shouldn't just assume that two weeks from now or two years from now, we can talk to them about Jesus. We can help them to know about Jesus. We need to do it now because we don't know when he'll return. We need to have a fire in us rather than waiting for fire of judgment. Just as that creation 
experienced a flood again, so too the world that was judged back then will again be judged. And the question is, what are we doing in the meantime as we wait? Because we don't know when the cold snap is coming. We don't know if we should be getting our warm winter clothes out. So why not get ready for it? If I couldn't look at the weather and I knew it was the beginning of October and it should be cold, I wouldn't just keep putting on summer clothes and giving away winter clothes. No, I'd start gathering up winter clothes, even though it didn't feel like it, because I know the time of year is one where I should expect cold weather. We don't know exactly where we are in the year of the Earth's existence, but what we do know is that Jesus has said he's going to return, and we should assume that we're in October, that we're in November. Maybe we're not. I'm not trying to say I have an insight into exactly when he's going to return, except for this, that he will return. And he doesn't want us to be saying, oh, it's only June, it's only July. He wants us to assume it's October. Because he wants us right now to be helping the people around us, to, to be rescued, to, to know him. And even if he doesn't return for another 2,000 years, we don't know how long any one person has. And that's just as important as how long the earth as a whole has. Take a look at Matthew chapter 24. Jesus says, For in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. The point is people are going to keep going on as if everything is normal. We will keep going on as if everything is exactly normal until the day that Jesus returns. And if we spend all our time looking for signs that we can say, ah, I can see that the weather is starting to slope downward. It's not as warm at night as it used to be. It's not as warm during the day as it used to be. The days are getting shorter. I know exactly when Jesus is going to come. We're fooling ourselves. We don't know the day that is going to go from 80 or 90 degrees outside to the day it's going to go to below zero outside. It could be tomorrow. We don't have a long-range forecast to look at when we're talking about the world. And so... And so the best thing, the wise thing, the only wise thing to do is to prepare as if it's tomorrow. To prepare others as if it's tomorrow. If it's longer, what have we lost? Well, actually, we haven't lost anything we've gained because we've, we're living as God's called us to do. And, and the wonderful thing about that, it's not like we're going and putting on parkas in the middle of 90 degree weather. No, not, is that, that's not the point at all. We're setting aside sin. We're taking off the clothing of sin and we're putting on the clothing of righteousness that God is giving us. We're, we're going to other people and saying, trust in Jesus. He's here for you and helping other people be freed from their sin and from fear and to experience the love of God. And those are things that are good, whether it's June or it's October. It doesn't matter. Jesus is in season all year long and, and he's asking us to prepare other people to enjoy the always season of Jesus. But when we think we have time, when we think it's not happening yet, we just put it off. I remember right when Bitcoin came out about a decade and a half ago, I heard about it. And it sounded kind of interesting, this idea of a virtual currency not controlled by anybody. And you could take your computer when it wasn't doing anything else and have it generate Bitcoins. They weren't really worth much of anything, but it was kind of interesting. And I remember at the time I thought about turning on my computer onto the Bitcoin mining system and and doing some mining myself. What, what would be the harm in doing that? 
Well, the answer was nothing. It would have been perfectly fine, but I didn't really think I needed to do it at that time. I didn't think it really was going to be of much value. And so I put it off. I thought, well, maybe next month I'll try it. Maybe next year I'll try it. And I kept doing that. And then a few years rolled by and Bitcoin started to have some value. And I thought, oh, if only I'd done that. But, you know, I'm not really sure it's going to do anything else. I'll just put it off some more. Remember when I was teaching at the local university, I was having a conversation with a student who was fascinated by Bitcoin at the time. This was back in 2015, so eight years ago now. And Bitcoin by that point had increased quite a bit. It was now worth something. It was worth not a lot compared to what it is now, but it was worth a few hundred dollars a coin. And I remember remarking to him, if only I had mined Bitcoin back then, I would have had maybe $100,000 in Bitcoin now. And he looked at me and looked at me as someone who was clearly crazy because how could I have not seen this coming? And it was obvious by 2015 it was worth something. And I remember thinking at the time, well, you know, maybe now would be the time to get a few Bitcoins. Maybe I should try a little mining now, even though it's not as easy to do it yourself. Maybe I should just purchase one or two. Yeah, you know, it's done its thing now. I don't need to do it. Well, had I done it back in 2009, I would now be a millionaire. Had I done it back in 2015, I would have maybe not millions, but I'd have quite a bit more. If I had bought Bitcoin in 2015, in fact, I would have 64 times as much as I had invested into it. But I didn't see the urgency. I didn't anticipate it going further. It felt like it kind of had hit another plateau and that I'd missed out on the opportunity. And so I didn't do anything. We have lots of opportunities like that in life, but the most important one is what are we going to do with Jesus? And sometimes we say, well, I've gotten pretty far in my life. If I'd known him maybe back as a teenager, I would have gotten into some trouble. Maybe I would have made some better decisions. But now I'm kind of at a plateau. My life is where it is. Maybe someday, maybe after I retire, I'll I'll get to know Jesus a little better. Maybe if I get older and start to have some health problems, I'll get to know Jesus. Maybe if I have grandkids around and I want them to live a better life than I did, then I'll get to know Jesus. But we find some way to put it off, put off the urgency. Or or we, you're here tonight, maybe you read the Bible every day, but we still find ways not to implement the things that God's calling us to do. We think, well, maybe I'll tell my neighbor about Jesus next week or next year. Maybe I'll try to prioritize the things of God in, in my time, in my money, in, in just my life as a whole down the road. I have plenty of time. It's just a plateau now. What Peter is saying is exactly what Jesus said in that Matthew passage. We don't know the day that Jesus is going to return. I didn't know the day that Bitcoin was going to spike, but clearly I made the wrong choice. And right now, I, if, if I had invested in that, just think of all the ministry I could do with that. Bitcoin that I had purchased, but I didn't. Think about how much more we can do if we purchase into the kingdom of God. And then as we're in the kingdom of God, we continue to embrace that. And we say, not only Jesus save me from judgment, save me from death, but Jesus use me, make my life the best investment it can be for your kingdom. You might say next year, or I've wasted too much of my life to do that. But the, the thing is, we don't know how much life we have left. We don't know what God's going to do with the next day or the next year of our life, but what we do know is that he's called us to faithfulness, and, and we know that he will make the best use of that time possible. So all of us in those places where we find ourselves lackadaisical, let us say, God, take that away from me. Quit letting me be apathetic 
in my entire life. I want to give it to you. Quit letting me be apathetic in my Bible reading. Quit letting me be apathetic in my prayer life. Quit letting me be apathetic as I steward the resources you've given me. Quit letting me be apathetic as I'm around my coworkers and neighbors and, and friends. Use me. I want to be the best investment I can for your kingdom. In fact, let's pray and ask our God to help us to do that right now. Lord, we're not the best at investing our lives. We, we make bad choices. We put off things thinking that they're not going to become a value, that we've missed out, that we have better things to do. But here's what we know. We never have a better thing to do than to trust in you and then to follow you. And whether we can look back with regret the years that we haven't followed you or look back and regret the years that we could have followed you more fully or we look ahead and think we have plenty of time or not enough time, whatever it might be, Lord, we ask that you would help us to quit doing those things, to, to anticipate, to, to not listen to the scoffers that will say, Dan, you have plenty of time. Maybe Jesus isn't even going to return at all. Everything looks stable. Don't worry. And instead, we would say, God, use me right now. And that way, whatever season of the year it is, that we would be being used for your kingdom in the best way possible, that we'd be experiencing your love most fully, and that we would help others to experience most fully as well. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, I hope this has been an encouragement to you tonight. And if it has, please do give us a like or a share. As you do that, you can help spread the word that, that Jesus is returning, but we have hope. It's a hopeful thing. It's not a thing of condemnation. All we need to do is trust in Jesus and experience his love. To know that he's called us as his sons and his daughters. And you can help do that as you share the word about our study. And we're going to continue that next week. In the meantime, if there's any way I can be praying for you, maybe you have a question or a comment, feel free to leave that in the comments below the video, or you can shoot us a message at the prayer text line, 833-356-4032. I love hearing from you. Hope you have a wonderful and blessed week, and I anticipate seeing you again next week.